You're listening to Working Title, the podcast where I talk to people in the design industry about one project. We get to hear from designers, developers, project managers, and many more on their process through a single project. My name's Maria, and I'm your host. On this episode, I'll be speaking to Gil Zazu, a designer at Senep. Originally from Israel, Gil had been interested in design since the age of 12. He later spent three years working in the Israeli police force for the IT and design department. After that, Gil decided to pursue design and moved to London, where he would start his foundation year at the University of the Arts London. Two years later, Gil was awarded a DNAD New Blood Pencil, which I think propelled his desire to move to London permanently and do design. I mean, he clearly is good at it. They don't just hand out those awards to anyone. But he had to go back to Israel, where he had worked as a digital designer for three years before coming back to London and starting work at Senep. Gil isn't only a talented designer, but also a musician. He's toured Europe with his live performance project called 42% Noir, which was where he was able to explore the relationship between motion design, art, and music. Welcome, Gil, to Working Title. Hello. Excited to have you as our first designer. Woo. The other people have been devs and project managers, so. Wow. Yeah. Boring. Ugh. <laughs> so, today we're going to talk about your project 42% Noir. 42% Noir is a project you started with your bandmate from the electronic rock music group Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Syndrome? Yeah, yeah, that's the bio. That's the tagline. We refined that for years. Is it? a while. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't agree if it's electro rock or alternative rock. People didn't like the word rock. But, but, what, but you kept it in there. Yeah, because we... That was like the maybe the most clear to people. We try to be more innovative, but if you speak a random language, people don't get you. So yeah. this is also a problem with innovation. It, it wasn't us. Are we like for rock? <laughs> like it's too like cool and trendy. Like it's too. We like, were too new. cool. We were uh, too. Cool. Yeah, yeah, because electro. Because you can't imagine who uh, who else called themselves electro rock. And then it could be like, let's say, Link Park, and you could feel yeah. like, oh, am I, do I feel comfortable being next to Link Park? Yeah. Which, you know, some people are, some people are less. And Did you do like a, some sort of online forum? Like, hi guys, we want to change our name, our, our description to Electronic Rock. What do you prefer? Option A, option B, or option C? Oh, you wish. We were, we were talking about, we were writing the bio and then we would send it away to everybody kind of to read. They didn't read. <laughs> and then a week later, there would maybe someone would point out, it's like, oh, what is it? And like, they would just like pick that detail. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, I think I was too young to realize, to, like realize the saying of like, leave it, we'll change it later. Mm. <laughs> like, it's not important. Yeah. Priorities. But, but then everything was important. Everything was us. Who are we? Who am I? And as teenagers, this is very important. <laughs> Defining yourself. <laughs> it totally is. I think looking back, like, it's very much a bu- like a business, like mm. running a band. Like if you run a band, you know, like in a, like professionally, you should probably treat it as, as a business. Like you have deadlines, you need to, because otherwise you would never get anything done. So it's like, and your product is basically your music. And even your music and you have a brand and you need to market, like do marketing, you need to reach out to people, meet people. This is like like a startup. Like I think we were splitting be- 
our roles quite well. Like each one has has had like good strengths and weaknesses. They can kind of complement each other. But there were moments where it wasn't. It was less clear. And then responsibilities, like things, didn't happen there. And if nobody else took that responsibility, there was very little incentive to, to get to get it because in a business you have money, which is motivation. But in a band where there's no money, plus there is a problem with money. Like as as artists, like money could pollute our outcome. And like, so are we doing music for money now? Which is a valid point, like kinda. So then there is a very little incentive for people to to do, and there's no and there, because there's no hierarchy either. Like there's no CEO or everybody are founders, is founders. So so then then it gets it breaks. But did you guys actually were you like, are we doing this for the money or for the like soul? Like was this actually a yeah. like, mentality? Was it a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, because I'm interested in the answer of like if you start playing with because you like playing you like music and you and you it's pure right and then and then you're you're happy when you're like 15 16 you're happy to perform wherever but then 10 years later you say okay my price is 10 grand if you're not getting 10 grand you're not playing yeah so that means like your music your goal is not the music but the money because you are you're happy to stay home not play because you're not getting your 10 grand mm. does it mean that once you get money involved that becomes the, the goal the purpose yeah but not for everybody like i have a friend back in vancouver and he's in like a million he's in like three bands and he just like did it for fun and he's a designer but he just like does it on the side i think i always thought like well you need to be making a lot of money from this side hobby or else it's not relevant (laughs) (laughs) but obviously he's doing it for fun and obviously that's like probably actually more sustainable yeah it's probably smart to take it easy money could kind of pollute it because you know in a way like you're sellout it's like basically yeah almost like you could (laughs) yeah i know it sounds like teenager angry at the world (laughs) yeah we're we're pretty much that what was your guys what was your driving force behind starting a band while you guys are studying i think it's lucky you like playing and then you realize that you can play with others <laughs> it's it's interesting it's weird but like there's something very satisfying like when everybody gets the right beat at the right time together there's very like we're in this together we're a team and everybody practice to that moment and there's like and there are some days, like it sounds quite cheesy, romantic, but there are some days that the sound sounds right as well. Like you sound right and you're like, ooh, it sounds good today. Like, you know, it could be like so many variables of like how people set up their equipment and stuff, like which could change from time to time. But yeah, sometimes it's just random. And like there was some like magic in the air. And then I think I really enjoyed that kind of like achievement side of it like because as a band you there's the aspect of again like your management and like arranging gigs and like oh what's the next step like are we are good enough we can maybe get a record deal we could like put it out there let's see what other people are doing and you like do your little ep mm. and you're like investing in it and mm. like we we wrote music we rehearsed it let's record and then you're like getting into the recording process and then you you learn new things on the way like you like we didn't know how to use anything like 
no computer, like we're like really young. Mm. And then one guy was like, oh, I'll learn Cubase. That was the software then. And, but then he learned like all these like, oh, we can add this electronic stuff. And then we start programming our live setup so we could like play together better and like with better sounds and stuff. You upgrade yourself with time. You're speaking about like you having like electronic setups and stuff. Like what are these actual physical things that you guys had in the room with you? Yeah. Was it? So we were at six people and three laptops. Yeah, we, so we, we wanted, basically the goal was to get, yeah, get the sound live as close as possible to the EP. Because the, the idea then was that the EP is the best that we could sound. Because it's like, in a, you know, like in a lab environment almost. Mm. Like you have the best equipment in that moment and you have a lot of time to refine the stuff. But the problem is that we didn't have money to buy a lot of equipment, so we had to be lean. So we had these three laptops and they were connected with Wi-Fi, so they will all sing. And then basically two players will be connected to a laptop with a sound card anyway. Basically each laptop would change our sound live without us needing to touch anything. Okay, I don't really understand completely how that actually technically works. You're saying the computer will change your guitar to make it sound more echoey yep. at a certain time. Yep. It just knows. Yeah, you pre-program. You pre- yeah, so basically we had Shalti, the keyboardist. Um, he would be the conductor, so he, so he would have a, a different program that will be connected to everybody, of course. And he will trigger a song. He will start a song. And then at that moment, we all hear in our... You, we will have monitors, in-ear monitors. Then we'll start hearing click. Like no, and the outside won't hear it, right? Like like metronome, and then and then we will know exactly when to start. So that we have a song where everybody starts together at the same time, like with one note. That's possible because of that click. To get to that point of everybody has a click in their ears, that's a very expensive system. So we changed the. Um, I mean, every all the computers were connected to Wi-Fi, and. But the sound was also chained within the computer. So let's say two guitars connected to one computer and then that connected to vocal and bass. So that means that I, we, we could hear the two guitars, let's say. And then the vocal and bass went to drums and keyboard. And then they were back to the two guitarists. So then we will all have our sound in, in, in our ears which is also a very expensive system, like monitors. So we didn't need monitors on stage. That's like, big bands has it. And, and in a way, we, as six people, we could have performed in smaller places that way because we didn't need monitors, we didn't need amplifiers. Kind of interesting you say the thing about you wanted to be in a group because you feel like it's really special when you guys are all like synced together. And I think that's interesting because it also is exact same in like in improv. Mm. Maybe you know the like mind melt thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is quite cool when when you do mind melt. It's like you feel you're all on the same page. And there was like there's been one group that I've been in where like every week people would get mind melts on the first go, and like it was consistent. And you just feel like is this group of people like the ultimate group of people? Like everyone fits <laughs> together, yeah. like a puzzle or something. Do you know you're just like whoa? Have we? Is like, what? is there gonna be like a hole like opening up in the earth or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's quite special, it's quite cool. In 2014, your group Syndrome performed Dag as a DJ. Yeah. Do you want 
to tell people what that is briefly? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the concept is having a fish. So Dag in Hebrew means fish. Yeah, it was like playing as like God is a DJ. So yeah, so it's basically a fish playing in a party as a DJ and like man- so manipulating sounds or creating a- creating the music um, in an aquarium in on stage in a party setup. So you showed us a little video of it and it's like really hilarious, but also really like poetic, I think it's, <laughs> but like on that note, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'm guessing that took a lot of like learning on the job essentially. Yeah. How did you guys figure out how to do like logistics of making a fish be a DJ? Yeah, you you improvise. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the face of the band that was supposed to perform after us. <laughs> and they had like loads of equipment and they have a lot of electricity on that stage. And then we're just going there with buckets of water, <laughs> like mm. filling up the aquarium, preparing the star for the for the show. <laughs> and you were like, no, like there's not many off the shelf stuff you can get. We got our customized aquarium. It was very heavy, actually. So we probably should have got another one. Someone like, custom built the actual fish tank. The, yeah, 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 yeah. So that it had microphones in it or something, or no, it had a nice. Um, like partition for the bubbles. <laughs> you Priorities. need to easy take care of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the actual setup. So we had um, we had two cameras that detect the the movement of the fish, like one from the side and one from the top. So we have like three D um, view bit. So yes, and then but it was really important to have light on top. So like the aquarium is well lit. But you don't want it to be too well lit because it's a party, so it's a bit weird to have a weird fluorescent light. So they're not really like off the shelf, you know, aquariums that will cater for this. Mm. So what, how did you have like a open top, like weird stands and like, how do you reveal the fish in the beginning? Like we had a lot of questions, but we also had a screen behind. So to visualize some of the, of the music and also helped to kind of, to create some of the music as well. What was on the screen? So it was the, like depends on the on the song, but basically the idea is to keep it as simple as possible because it's quite hard to understand what the fish is doing. So let's say we had um, we split the the screen to two, and this, the screen was the exact size of the aquarium. So let's say one side is black, the other side is pink. So if the fish goes to the pink to the pink, it's like a party, like you know, like high bass and drums and stuff. But if it goes to the black, there's just piano just like simple piano. And then it's very simple for for the viewer to understand, oh, the fish is playing, like it's moving from here and there. But it's also the, that, that balance of like, so the fish is random, but like making it too random could be not appealing to the ears, like could be just like weird noise. So you want to, yeah, you balance it. Like you, you give the fish a bit control, but then you do want to show the fish is doing something because otherwise we just just music like mm-hmm. random so i think this kind of things is stuff you learn as you go you're like and you get feedback as well you're like everybody could look at the aquarium and you and you're like excited you're like do you see what the fish is doing and they're like mm. and they describe like they do something brand different like oh is the fish controlling the visual in some way and you're like mm, not really <laughs> and then yeah. the- it's kind of like what you're doing is not not just music. You're like making a piece of communication. Mm. 
because maybe I'm wrong, but like in normal um, music settings, if you go to see a, a, a band live, you don't really care that they're communicating something to you. You just want to like hear them in the flesh and like see them actually playing the music and like, I don't know, maybe you go for different races, but for me, it's just like, what do they sound like live? Are they doing anything kind of different? What is the crowd like? What is the experience of hearing their music in this massive or small venue? What is that experience and how does it differ from me just listening with my earphones on, right? Yeah. But but you never think like, oh, I hope that they're like communicating a message to me. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to go and listen to music and like enjoy it or not enjoy it. But like, we'll see how it goes. But it's quite interesting that almost like what you're doing is like some sort of communication it almost it almost is like it almost is design i guess it's more closer to art but yeah it's like a weird a weird middle yeah i think with all the technicality like in that and like it's quite complex so and and i feel like or at least like what i'm trying kind of to i think what i feel like the highest kind of aim of art or like this kind of art or any which I think like, music as well is is like make people feel in a way, so like have that kind of ex- like communicate. Like you don't have to communicate in words necessarily because music is sometimes abstract. You can, but music can make people feel pretty well. Yeah, the challenge kind of with with that, like with communicating or not communicating, like whatever the, whatever the way you communicate is, is to communicate something. I hope that achieved that. It sounds like you're almost saying, and this is how I feel with most things that I do or that I'm involved with, is like you want to tell a story Yeah. at the end of the day. And the reason that you want to tell this, to tell a story is because oftentimes the thing that, the emotional thing that people connect to is that story, Yeah. right? And then the emotion is the thing that like makes people like remember if it was a good or bad thing. Like we were talking about the other day, it's like, the marketing campaigns that you remember are the ones that like you feel emotional about, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think there's a. I think Pixar talks talks about it quite a lot with mm-hmm. their first Toy Story, and how they were like, because they were they made the first animation full like full animation film, and the fact that they made such an impact is, it, I mean, according to, to them, is because of their story rather than their technology. So even though the, they rendered their film like like anybody else like has done before but yet pe- people go went to the cinema to see Toy Story they didn't see to go to see the technology or whatever like and kind of their take to it is like people yeah don't care about how you do it it's like more like what and like why you're doing it or like it's so true and like the bigger like they will remember the bigger how you make them feel yeah I mean totally. yeah do you know Norman Rockwell the painter I feel like while his painting is amazing, like his actual technical ability is amazing, he's just like so well, he's so great at telling a story mm-hmm. in his paintings. Yeah. Do you know, like this is a moment in time where like, it's, it's so, it's just, I, I'm like blown yeah, away. I just, I just feel like he is so great at capturing atmosphere, capturing emotion, capturing like the yeah, essence of, very natural. It's so natural. People. But, it, I mean, it's generally around people and humans and their connections, but like... Ugh. Yeah, it's like photography almost, like the way, yeah. But it's photography in a way that you would never capture some of these moments. Yeah. You would never be so close to these people to capture them yeah. getting in trouble or like oh, wow. being in places that they're not supposed to or... Do, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's cool. It's really beautiful. Anyway. Yeah. Storytelling. I feel he's great at it. It's our job. I feel like that's what we do as designers. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I was going to say maybe not so much in like more straightforward like UX stuff. Hmm. Where you just like make shit. But they still need to tell a story. How is it easier going to get to the end? Yeah, maybe UI is a bit more or like branding. You can have quite a lot of like character in there. So it's less technical. This is not a question, but I just, I'm curious because I feel like I find this with myself and I'm wondering if you do. So you guys did, you did that, that um, fish performance in 2014. Mm. It's like six years ago now, right? Yeah. Do you feel like there's ever times where you're like, like, why do people keep talking about this old project that I do? Because of certain things, um, it's not always clear why. People always gravitate towards that one thing. And then and then you yourself just find yourself being like, oh, if only I could do a project that's better than that. And then you're like competing with yourself in a way, which is probably good. But then also you're like, nothing, you feel like nothing you do is like going to be better anyways. Hmm. It's always like, oh, but that cool thing that you did like a bunch of years ago. Yeah. Do you ever feel that way? It's interesting. I think now when you're saying it, I feel that more. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Triggered. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's card for it. <laughs> yeah, it's, actually, it's interesting. I think with the fish, it was, it was interesting. It was fun to make, but it was very complicated. Like, it's... It was logistically, it was really hard. And I think like artistically, it was also hard because of all the limitations, because like everything I just I said before. So, so I'm, I personally don't really miss it <laughs> to like really. It was cool, like an experiment stuff, but it was an experiment only. So we di- maybe I didn't have too much weight for it. Um, Do you feel like the weight has it's gotten weight though since you did it like sometimes I'll do a project and I'm like yeah it's fine and then afterwards I'm like and people are like oh that's so great oh I love that I love that and then you and you put it on a pedestal afterwards too because yeah. because of other people's reactions yeah 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 but I think it also it tells you kind of what people like like what are they attracted to and like if it's a bit like quirky and, and weird which is which is cool <laughs> like it's it's interesting that people are intrigued with that kind of stuff, like a bit more controversial. It's data. Yeah. <laughs> it's analytics. Yeah. It's insights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we need to capture them. <laughs> so at what point in your music career, let's say, <laughs> did you realize that your interest in design was connected to the music you were making or that it could be connected? And how did that then transition into like your decision to go into design as a career? Hmm. I think um, like I, I kind of always had design before music. And there was a point where music was more important to me. So I think I got more and more interested in design when I, with the band actually, and we needed, we needed a poster and somebody needed to do the poster within the band and I was like oh I, I know Photoshop and then Classic. and then, yeah and then I I just I just did it and I, I really enjoyed it and I think I think we as a band we again it was like 
the art was very important and like what we're saying and what we think and say and like, yeah it was very important so it felt like like visual could be part of the product and could like enhance the like the, the message in a way I thought it's cool I thought you like the way the way you how you can tell a story in a similar way that you could do it in, in, in music you can you can potentially do the same thing with with visuals was do you think that you were influenced by like other bands you know you like saw other bands and you're like yeah but look at their really cool logo or something and you're like yeah we probably need that yeah we were yeah 100 we we really liked yeah we were like pink floyd because they are very storytellers and like in their music they're they're quite visual in the music like using like samples and stuff and their album covers are very like known <laughs> yeah so i think that was a big a big one and we were looking like muse quite a lot yeah quite visual as well i think once the music became more storytelling telling um which happened to us at some point i think and i i got really interested in that like that felt really interesting like a, a film almost i think the visual side aspect of it felt more important and more more important to me like i like i said I, we all kind of complement each other like in our skills so the, i was the visual person because i knew photoshop <laughs> so, so and i was kind of intrigued about that around that so yes i tried to bring what we've done in the music to, to the visual not a hard that's not an easy task yeah no but but you also learn that it's like yeah it's random as well <laughs> like things work and things yeah i had this design this teacher in my first year of design school and you would do something and you're like in your first year so you're like i don't know what i'm doing but like also you're just really proud of yourself for doing something do you know like yeah you draw something like i'm incredible and he would come around and you'd be like really unsure and he'd be like hmm it just works it just right. it just works and you're like, that's all the feedback I'm getting. Like, it just works. <laughs> and you're like, but also fine, I'll take it. Like, that's yeah. like a plus. You know what I mean? He like wasn't good at like giving bad bad criticism, but he would. But like, it's it's true. It's like some things, especially like visual things. Sometimes it's hard to describe, but things just like click. They yeah. just they just like works, and it just feels like right. Whatever it is, the composition, the colors, the whatever it is, and you just like you can see something and be like, it's kind of like seeing like a really beautiful human being. Yeah, like yeah. everyone can recognize like that person. He's just beautiful. Yeah, it's just really good looking. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but like we can all see it. Yeah. It's there. Yeah, symmetry. Yeah. But I feel like we, we put intention in a, pe in a pedestal a lot of times because it's, it's really nice to say, oh, I've done it. I own it. I... And like, look at my process. It was all thought through. But I feel like often it's an afterthought. Like you create something, the process is super messy. And then, and then only when you look back, you can, okay, you could see the steps you took. And, and those steps are clear, in, but they're clear only when you're done or you decide you're done. I mean, sometimes of course you, you know everything ahead, but, <laughs> but I, I find, I find that more rare than than the other cases where it's random and a lot of the times you just I don't know you just put that square inside and you're like that's almost like 
this is the tool I got. I got this square. Let's say I use Photoshop. I, in the Photoshop, there are very clear tools around. Mm -hmm. So and and you own those. Whatever from all the tools in Photoshop, you know how to use fifty percent or whatever. I mean, you kind of mastered your way of processing, like the way your kind of work process, your flow. Yeah. So you just do whatever you kind of know you do, and then it's a bit. You don't know how it's gonna look like, really. Like, yeah, but I guess that's why so much of our job, I feel like a lot of our job is just like trying things. I feel like a lot of my job right now as a designer is just to like do lots of iterations and mm. just like throw things at the wall because I think you're right that like you never really know until you kind of try it. But I also don't like this idea that like intention shouldn't be on a pedestal because I feel like because I feel like for art, if you're talking about music and stuff like that, like I think happenstance is good. But then if you're talking about something that you're like you're trying to sell a product or like, do you know, it's like a commercial outcome. Mm. You're trying to build an app for this person. You are trying to help this like it should be intentional, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, whatever works. I, th I think there is some intention there because you are controlling the tools, but I do think that sometimes... Okay, so my question is, is improvisation intentional? Like actual improv? Yeah. Like performing improv? Yeah. Is it intentional? Yeah. No. Right, so I, f I feel a lot of art is like that. Be is in a way of like... It's not intentional, but it's still you, and it's still like you character-wise and you tools, tool set. But it can be intentional. It can be intentional because whatever you're reading at that time, whatever you're watching, whatever you're influenced by will influence your improv, which is in a sense intentional. If you have been researching to become a UK citizen for the past two weeks, then you get on stage, probably you're influenced by those things that you've been looking at right yeah so then you probably will choose to pull from that which is in a way intentional because you're choosing to spend your time researching something or knowing about something which is like informing you the rest of your life do you know what I mean it's not intentional in the same way I get it yeah it's it's it is informed so it's not completely completely random so yeah you're not throwing up on canvas <laughs> which is also intentional <laughs> if you create something I feel like you create it and it's it's however you describe it now but I think if afterwards I would tell you make a case study of it and then you will start connecting the dots you will get a different story you will get like you can make it sound as if it was more inten intentional which I think like when you rewind it looks intentional but when you're like going forward when you play you play. What you're speaking of is um, post-rationalization. Yeah. In design. I think so. And I think in art as well. I think, at least for me, I see for me because I was like, I felt I couldn't draw the line without um, justifying it. That was hard for me. What do you mean? When you were sketching, like just for fun? Yeah. Like it was hard for me in the band that I want to tell a story. If I don't know the story, how can I draw a line? So it was a hindrance. This feeling of like having a rationalization was like actually like hindering you from like 
like you said before, like sometimes messy is better than nothing at all. Yeah, yeah. So it, at least I, I was I was there quite a lot. Like if if I don't have the whole story, because you a lot of the times you look at like ready final pieces and you're like, this is amazing. It's like almost like to point like even if you hear a band and that, I remember that I realized that in a, in a rehearsal or something that you, that band, they all know when things are coming in, almost like they, as if they know the future. Does that make sense? Mm. So it's like you play not like now just the guitar plays and then in a second the bass will kick in. How does the bass know that they will get in? They practice, of course. Yeah. But in that moment, it feels like, how do they know? Like, it's, <laughs> they, knew, like they knew the future, in a way. Like, they knew something nobody knows, in a way. Mm. So, and that felt, a composition feels very intentional because that moment, the bass comes in. Okay. If that makes sense. But isn't that just because that's the way you've seen it? As in, you think it's intentional because that's the only way that you have heard this yeah. play out. Because, yeah, when it's when it's final, everybody's very confident about it. And yeah. this, is, this is it. But you don't know what brought to it. Yeah. And with my experience, usually all that journey is... It's very random. <laughs> or it's just, I mean, it's less inten- intentional sure. than, than the final piece, at least. It could be a lot of the times, like, when you're saying it just works, so it feels like you could look at a piece and feel like, oh, I, I'm, I'm missing something at the bottom. And then you could create a little character. And then, like, you know, two weeks later, people will be like, oh, I like that little boy. And even though you you thought it's like a girl and like a woman actually, <laughs> but then there is there is a story forming and you're like, but your intention was to cover that spot so the composition would look better. Right. But then from a like visual point of view, it, like the aspect, it became to a whole story maybe of a boy. Like it's it's quite it could be quite cheesy and romantic to embrace that, but I I also. I feel like this is as big as intention. It sounds like you almost had this design mind all the time and that your music didn't really play into you deciding to go into design. It was just like alongside of it. It was just like another way to express yourself, but it didn't necessarily influence you going into design. Were the two things like parallel or or did they feel like more intertwined? Hmm. I think the music phase really influenced me go, like being more curious about design and art in general and, and also gave me the, that kind of point of view towards visual visual art in a way that you can again tell a story and stuff so that makes makes it a bit more deep because before that in general where I'm from like so there's not very big awareness for design and art so like I didn't really see a lot of good art, like mainly commercial, like you know logos, branding, whatever, like you see in supermarkets. So I think or advertising advertising agencies. So I thought that's like that's all to a point. So so I think with a band and then looking at like what other people were doing more like in the art or music world, then it blew my mind. I'm like wow, like. That's cool. So it it didn't brought me to it didn't bring me to 
to design necessarily, but but it definitely made me appreciate appreciate it more. And I think brought me back to it as well, like to like it more, like mm. yeah, because I wasn't really interested in in design at that moment, or I was also scared. I I didn't know what what it is or what it could be beyond those advertising agencies. So it sounds like music and design were kind of at the beginning of your career into design. Hmm. But can you talk a, a little bit about like how you got from sketching as a kid? to being interested in music, to then, like, becoming a designer. Like, what was your education like? Because I understand it wasn't, like, a, a straightforward path like mine, for example, where I went to education right after high school and then got a job after that. I remember when I was really young, my my mom and brother, they could draw really well. So, and I was really jealous, and I couldn't. I didn't get it. So then there was, like, that kind of, oh, maybe... I thought maybe I don't have talent, like I'm not good in drawing, like I, I can't draw. And so I kind of left it, like, but I, I do remember I was like, I was always jealous. I always wished I could, I could draw. My friend was like, oh, let's, let's build a website. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, let's, I'll, I'll design it. <laughs> so we went to uh, GeoCities. Oh yeah. You know, Yahoo. And yeah. so, yeah, so really with that, I got like, I got Photoshop. And I was like, I remember I did lens flare, filter lens flare. No way. <laughs> was, I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Yeah. And then I just put it there. Like, this is awesome. And I went the, the day after and I was like, I built a website. I went to my friend and he kind of forgot. He was like, what? Did we talk about building a website? He's like, yeah, it's ready. And I was like, oh, you're not serious enough. And uh, yeah, and I was like. I was like, oh, Photoshop is cool. Like, I'll keep using it. I, I just, I was playing around and stuff. I remember there was like a V bulletin, like, like forums that we were, I was like part and I was like, like signatures were very big then. Like creating, like you get a little signature under your like post when you post on the forum. Okay. So yeah, I was doing those and um, I was a manager of the signature, like sub forum. What? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. my god. <laughs> Me 14. Forum rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no spam and stuff. Hi, welcome to Gil's Forum. Yeah. No, no, it was really big. It was like maybe one of the biggest in Israel, actually. It was really big. We had like, I think thousands of, of visitors a day. Like, it was really big. What were you talking about? So I was in the graphic signature forum department, but it was like everything. So they had like sports and football and whatever. We would give service to the forum people, members. Design services. Yeah. So everybody would be like, oh, I would love to have a signature of like cars. I like cars. These are the three examples that of, of images that I would like in. And then you, and then you would kind of make a collage of, of cards for them with their nickname. <laughs> it was wow. So who facilitated like the this idea of like young kids coming to you and saying, Hi, we would like a signature. This is our inspiration. Please get back to us with your quote and <laughs> the timeline. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like a tiny mini like business people. Yeah. Where did they learn how to like write an email? Do you know? <laughs> we had we had form rules. Oh my god. We had um yeah, 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 it was very clear. Subjects had a certain format. We would just create um those signatures for people. So then I was like, oh, I could, I could use Photoshop and stuff. I could, maybe I could earn money. So like 
I was like 15 then. So then I started working remotely with a company in Tel Aviv. And then I realized, and it was by the hour, he was like, okay, you write down how many hours you work and I'll pay you. It was like, not much money. I wasn't working that much, but I really didn't like it, actually. Though I did learn quite a lot. Like, it was interesting. <laughs> like, we were, he was doing um, wireframe in PowerPoint. And, and then he gave me three screens in Photoshop. And he was like, if the wireframe is like 20 pages, twin screens of, of it. It was a software, but like some TV weird, I don't know. The whole, whole wireframe will be twin screens in PowerPoint, but they would just, they have designed already three screens. So I just need to apply the style. And then I remember I would have, I would send these twin screens and the icons at the top will always move between those screens. So it won't be consistent. And he was like, they have to be consistent. Like, and I was like, well, I don't know, I don't get it, why? <laughs> And it was, yeah, just young, but he taught me to make this consistent. Anyway, so after like, so I did that in the summer. Um, I didn't do too many hours actually, but after that wireframe thing, I hated it. And I was like, oh, I don't like it. I don't want to do design anymore. You hated design? I hated design. <gasps> what? Okay. Yeah. And then I, so then I left it. I left it for like two, three years until until the band i mean because i also it was kind of convenient like i found guitar and yeah. i got interested in that and had a band and a few bands and yeah. and i didn't need it until then and I, I thought oh design is not for me i'm not i don't like it enough or i'm not good at it enough but didn't you feel any pressure like i remember being told by like everyone like you need to go to school and find a job like you need to find a career. Yeah. So in the same time, we through school, um, they came to us with this kind of project with I think it was Cisco, and they they were they had that program for like like you know in periphery cities like to give them education whatever. So I had like an afternoon school of studying IT, and I was I was also interested in, in computers and stuff anyway. I went there. And um, so I did that, I got a certificate, which is valid, like it's real. I thought I'm not good in design. I would be an IT person because that was comfortable. That was easy. That was clear. And I remember with the band after like a bit fast forward, I was sure I'm not doing design. I'm not good enough. I was scared. And then we had a conversation in the band and they were like, oh, what? Like, let's just check out what is the, you know, syllabus. Is that a word in English? Mm -hmm. so, um, like what's the syllabus in that academy, like this like art academy. And then I saw it and then and then I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I mean it's pretty basic, but I was it was so far from me for some reason. So if you want to learn something, you go and learn it, you go and study. Because I think at the beginning, like with the drawing, it's that you don't have the talent. So there's like some truth of you you have it or not. So and I think with guitar, for example, that which I I also kind of learned off the internet, like like with Photoshop, like everything. I think the guitar kind of taught me that if you you need to practice and you need to learn something. I think in a way when you draw, you can everybody could pick a pencil and everybody could try and draw. I don't know the the person next to them, and it will be bad. The barrier. I mean, it would be bad if they never practice, they never learn. Mm -hmm. But, but I think with guitar, it's pretty clear that you'll be you'll be bad if you don't know how to play it. It was very clear that notion of if you want to get better in guitar, you need to you need to learn. 
but but the entry level to to draw is so low because pencils are everywhere and you do it when you're young and some people are it's very easy for them they just they just get it i mean i agree i think that young kids need to be taught that you can do something if you just practice it but that's sad that you felt like you wouldn't be able to do design just because you weren't good at it right away and like or there were other people that were better only when i saw that syllabus i was like oh they actually teach you Right. Sometimes it's good to be taught to. And I think I know there's a bit of a push, let's say, for like people not to go to school if they don't want to go to school. Um, not school, but like university or like um, higher education. But um, but I think that what it brings you is like an incredible resource. You know, like you then suddenly have teachers who know more things than you. You have other students who are like have more niche interests in like other things and then suddenly it's like it's like a fast track to like opening your mind totally. a little bit so then you studied at a school in israel and no i didn't go there no but yeah and then at that moment we were like oh we were very serious with the band we want to go to london to to perform and then it it felt like, and then we were trying to see how the visa, how we could work out that visa and then study in the UK was like, and uh, it could, like you could get student visa so you could stay for a while. And in the, in the meantime, if anything go, goes wrong with the band, so I would still have, I would progress in, in the same time. So you actually studied design in London just so you could come and perform your music? There was an incentive. That was the first idea. That was the intention. I think and eventually that was bigger than the band for me in that time. Yeah. But the band didn't live up beyond that much. So so we would never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a parallel universe. Maybe. What happened to Gil? We'll be in Wembley tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, Wembley! Yeah. So kind of to bring it back to... 42% Noir. You and the other half of 42% Noir yep. recently <laughs> had a performance after quite a number of years. Yeah. From our perspective, it felt like quite different um, from some of the stuff you had talked about before that you guys were doing like with music, but in a really good way. It felt like almost this idea of like design and music was like completely merged. Mm. And... I'm not sure if that's because now you're like way more involved in design as in it, it's your everyday life than maybe it was before. Also, maybe you used it as a way to kind of like explore areas of design that you wanted to know more about. Like initially, Shalti and I getting on well together. So I think that's that was the first thing, like the first take from the band, I think, that people matter a lot and um and like their attitude and everything is really important to have a sustainable project like sustainable collaboration the way we kind of complement each other is that he comes very much from like from piano playing first and then uh keyboard playing and um and also like science and technology um and kind of experimental stuff mm -hmm. and then i i'm also coming from music background but very visual so that was so we kind of looked for a, a way to to collaborate and then shati had that idea of combining combining piano playing and visual 
together and how we could experiment with that and like visualize the piano live. So basically the that the piano music affects the, the visuals, but then we actually realized that while making or performing, we would change the music according to the visual as well. So there's this feedback from the visual back to the piano. I think actually working with him was very much realizing that that you kind of want to leave open edges a lot of the times because you will see how it will be at the end. And especially with if you involve code, so that relatively takes longer. You, in a way, you don't want to build it before you it helps or it looks good and it's like it's the right thing in a way. Yeah, and also you, you sometimes you don't know what the outcome would be. So I think in like in design, when things are not interactive and you kind of you draw everything, you draw the final piece straight away. But with code, you draw, you build some sort of world and variables, but you don't know really how it will look like. You could just like ramp up one variable in the formula and then it looks like you're like, whoa, this is so cool. I like that. And then a lot of the times I w- I'm thinking like, I would never be able to do that in Photoshop or like whatever tool, like this is different. And and this is, yeah, happy accident in a way. But then if you embed that in your process and you expect that, you know that you can't use Photoshop. Like, I mean, you, you can to an extent, but but also if you would use Photoshop all the time, you would you could reach a ceiling or might not reach if you would have the more flexible, less intended um, approach. Working with a developer very, very closely and kind of like, letting them also own part of the visual process as well. So that was a big relation for me. Sometimes the devs are the ones with the the ideas too. <laughs> Even yeah. though the, yeah. we, like designer, we like designers better. But. Yeah, they didn't design it. But fine, we'll, get, we'll let them. Yeah. I think that's like one of the best things about collaboration is that they're going to see it from a completely different perspective and not to harp on about improv, but that's why improv is so great is because you could get any word or any scene or any situation. Mm. And, and because it's always about like two people or a group of people, they're always going to see it in a different perspective and they're always going to associate other things to like what's going on, which means that at the end of the day, you're telling a story that's like so much richer mm. because it's not just like one person's linear path of like and then they walk down the street yeah you know it's like yeah and then a massive like ship came down and crushed into them whatever <laughs> are you guys planning any projects for the future yeah so we will plan another show in london we're planning it now <gasps> um and maybe around as well around the uk cool and <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Worldwide tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just the UK. <laughs> Exclusive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Exclusive insider knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, we release some like some of the like software we build as well to the community. Um Bro. yeah, share what we were doing. What do you mean release? Like let people download it and use it, and it's like some technology we use live when we perform. Can you talk about any point in the process of starting a band, working with others, building a piece of art, where you felt like you had done something that seemed like a failure and one that seemed like a success? 
the failure could be something really small. It could be something really big. Essentially, it's just this idea that in every process that we go through, whether it's design or illustration or music, there's always going to be failures that you don't see or you don't hear or you don't don't roll out into the final outcome. Hmm. But that doesn't mean when you're going through the process that if you feel like you failed or something didn't work and like, oh, no, it's over. It doesn't mean that like that equals a bad product or a bad outcome. Yeah. It's just like, it's just trying to show that failure is part of the process and that you can get over it. I think kind of the band at the end could be a failure because it didn't, we didn't last. We didn't get to Wembley. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like we did achieve quite a lot. Like, in, like we built quite a lot of things and kind of, I think the only thing that was left is to is to put it out there and like get that feedback. But like what I learned there is is that you want to kind of put it put it out there early, so you could so you could feel back the the post. Because if you're perfecting it for too long, you it will, it will just take a long time, and by the end, you'll all be burned out, especially if it's collaboration. And I think at the end, like that kind of perfecting it more and more and more. I don't know if it made it much better. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's better just to like, you know, finish it and then move on, do it again, the whole process again. Okay. Yeah, I think. A success? Success. I think the band. It's cliche to say that your failures are your successes. Hmm, a success. I think where I am now, I think like, hmm, but we want an event. No. Yeah, I'm quite happy where, where I am now. I think everything led to that. <laughs> What was something either big or small that you learned going through going through this project of 42% Noir or going through, you know, your education and kind of your history? What is something that you've learned that you would want to tell young designers? With what I learned, especially like with collaborating with people and stuff, is that ideally you will surround yourself with um with good people and um like make sure that you have i mean if you can have like like supportive environment or like or if you can't find it around you so if you find the community online or or like that inspiration online um if you can or books or whatever and so i think if you collaborate with the wrong people like like you're surrounding yourself with like people who is not constructive in a way. So that could affect affect you, you know, like a deep level. Because yeah. Like personally, I think. Like affect you personally. And that could make you feel like you you are incapable or yeah. So ideally look like have maybe some like good role models, find those role models that you kinda like you 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 like and then try to learn maybe what they've done and and copy that <laughs> and do what they do i think i think negative people have very could have very negative influence on us and and just keep them out of their life mm-hmm. they're not worth it however they're they're cool or interesting or whatever if it's not a good like my experience say if it's not a good fit Personally, you 
it's not won't be necessarily healthy for you in the long term to be with them because they could hurt you. So don't be afraid to let let go of people if they're not good. No, I think that's a great lesson. And I think especially if you're like studying designer in that world already, you're already thinking like, make sure that you always pair sans serifs with serif type bases. Like that could be your like biggest lesson that you learned or like never export a logo in a PDF. It could be that. Or also it could be stuff that you probably wouldn't be thinking about, which is like who you're surrounding yourself with. And there's this really great theory that I love so much. And it's essentially you are made up of the five people who are closest to you. You are just parts of all of them. And I think while it kind of um, belittles this idea that everyone's unique and special and that you are this person that's always been you. And like, I love that too. But then it's true. The people that you surround yourself with then intrinsically become who you are and the way you think and the way you see the world. And so I think it's very good advice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool. Thanks, I Gil. <laughs> I learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot. Hi. Hi. Hello. Are you listening to us? No. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Just put noise cancelling headphones. Yeah, don't listen yet. You don't want to spoil it. No, I don't want to spoil it. Like, <laughs> Plus, the yeah. story comes with editing. We could have live audience here. We could have like, oh, like, like you know, like economics, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Woo! We could laugh. Woo! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Should I yeah, do my? Se- I, I started to make segue music. Do you want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really quick, so don't blink. <laughs> <laughs> In between segment, seg- seg- yeah. segments, though, it's just like it's really that is fun. That's cool. Can you imagine? It's like wow, great. <laughs> and it's like so for my next question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Try like that. A game show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, not what we're looking yeah. for. Yeah. And the answer is no. <laughs> you didn't make it. You kicked off the island. <laughs> That's fun. I like that. Yeah. Have this, you? This is my whole music. <laughs> Yeah, it's heavy. I like it. Yeah, no. I like that. I love it. I'm cool. so excited. Back to yeah, the. Yeah, can't wait. Back to. I want to thank Gil for everything that he shared this episode. I've learned a lot. I realized that some of you might not know me, and if that's true, welcome. I'm a digital designer, illustrator, amateur comedian, and now podcast host. Originally from Canada, now working and living in London, England, I started this podcast because I wanted to build a place for people new to the creative industry to hear from people in different roles of design. It's a chance for clients and people outside the design industry to better understand the process of creating something. Everyone has their own story, their own process, and their own little successes, and I wanted to share them with the world. While talking about small and large mistakes, I too will be making some with this podcast, hence the name, working title. But if you'd like to contact me, we'd love to hear from you, so please do. And in the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode, where we'll be having a special fifth episode about design. See you next time.